Father, we pray for Daryl as he also uh, uh, brings us your word. And Lord, we pray too that through him again, you would, you would open our eyes to see uh, how a simple act of kindness uh, can be uh, life-changing for people. Uh, we pray these uh, blessings, Lord, would flow through him from you to us, and uh, that you would open up your word to us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Am I on? Yeah, okay. Um, just about being a vessel and letting letting things flow through you. I um, wanted to introduce myself. I'm I know a lot of you, but I see some faces out here I don't recognize, which is great. Uh, my name's Daryl. My wife Jody. Uh, my son or my son Emily. Son Ben. Daughter Emily. <laughs> All right, got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> Uh, we've been coming to Jericho since uh, the fall of 2005, so almost almost since it started, um, and and we've been on a on a pretty good roller coaster since then. Um, the the culmination or the most visible aspect of that is that in the past 18 months we spent nine of those in Mexico, uh, living and volunteering for the Vineyard Church in Mazatlan. Uh, now I'm not part of the teaching and leadership team here. I am just a person, just a guy. I haven't gone to Bible school. I don't have any, any formal training. Neither of us do for, for the work we're doing. Um, we have just, um, we've just been taking a journey step by step, and that's, that's where we've been led to go. Um, it's a very humbling, a humbling journey to go on because any kind of success that you have um, isn't, isn't yours. It has nothing to do with us. It's, it's God working through us. Um, so I want to just spend a couple minutes just giving you a glimpse for those that, that know the story. You can listen to it again uh, for those that have heard it for the first time. Um, I think stories are important. They kind of they tell you where you've come from and where you are now and where you're going to go. So our, our story began, I, th- I would say, fairly dramatically in January of 2006 with the premature birth of our second child, Sam. Um, born with a rare genetic condition, his days were numbered to just 16. Um, well, this is harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, but it was 16 days with him. Um, and, and we still look back at this as being a major milestone in our life. Um, and it's, it's one that we're, we're willing to share with. Um, we've, we've said many times that, that nothing in our life is closed. It's an open book. I, w- I will talk about this despite the fact that I'm surprisingly even emotional right now. Um, because it, it's, it's part of us, and it's, it's part of uh, the faithfulness that God has shown uh, working through us. Um, last week, Howard spoke on faithfulness. And there's something he said that really struck me. He had said, God is more interested that we are in him not what we do for him. And when talking about kindness, I think that that's fairly pivotal because you can, you can do an act of kindness that's actually self-serving um, for the wrong motives. And, and instead, what, what struck me there was that, that um, we need to rest and reside in him, and then and only then will our actions be you know, true kindness coming from, from God. Um, so it's been, well, it took about four years, I, I would say, for, for myself to recover, uh, from the trauma of that event. 
Um, but it led to kind of the first big step that we took, uh, or notable step, I should say. Uh, fall of 2010, we felt called to make a really blind leap uh, out of the safety of full-time employment and into self-employment. And that sounds noble, but it, it really was more of a... Uh, uh, the best way to describe it? It's... I, we should have jumped earlier, I should, I should say. So we kind of got forced out of the boat on that one, like a Jonah experience. Um, but we, you know, we were wrestling with the, the, regu- the perceived safety of a regular paycheck versus just trusting God. Um, needless to say, that worked on a lot of the fruits of the Spirit, learning to find joy, uh, finding peace in all the turmoil, patience, faithfulness, uh, self-control, learning to control yourself, just when, when things are, you know, you don't know what side is up. Um, but the, that opportunity really started to develop us as a person so that when, when the next step came, uh, it was a gentle nudge. Hey, there's this place in Mexico I want you to go. And so in January 2014, we did a, a short trip of two weeks um, just to explore. And, and we weren't the traveling type, so that was abnormal for us. Um, we came back within a month or two. We we um, we took the big step, which was loudly and publicly committing to a six-month stint back in Mexico, starting that following November. Uh, I think we said it loud and fast so that we couldn't back out of it. <laughs> um, and and certainly that that story. That's I mean that's hours in and in itself. There's a lot of interesting things there of. Um, you know, not having a tenant secured until the second week of October, um, leaving November. Um, the place we were going to stay getting damaged by a hurricane. I mean, a, a number of things. Uh, we called it the no plan plan. We just were following. God said go, we went. And uh, we trusted that everything was going to be taken care of. So that was, that was quite a trip. If you're ever interested in talking to us, I'd love to share more about that one. Um, so we came back from that. We got back in, in May of 2015 and had a kind of now what moment. And, you know, being self-employed, uh, I don't advise leaving for six months. It's really hard to get things going again. And, and we, really, we really struggled for the remainder of that year to get any kind of traction. Um, all the while, we had committed to going back in, in the following January. Um, so I, I remember this realization, kids are back in school. It's the end of September, and we're like, oh my goodness, we're leaving soon. Uh, we, you know, the summer had just disappeared on us. Uh, so we were off. January came, we were off. Um, the first trip was a little bit more interesting in that we didn't feel like we're supposed to formally fundraise or anything like that. It was just, just go and I'll take care of you. Uh, the second time uh, this, this past January, starting to kind of normalize, we felt that we were supposed to fundraise and, and involve people that way, and, and we were blessed with that. Um, What's interesting with the Vineyard Church in Maslin, we'll be talking a bit about that. Um, it's it's run by or founded by an American visionary pastor who's an amazing man. Uh, there's a Canadian pastor who's kind of the second in command there. Both of whom have lived in Mexico too long to call American or Canadian anymore. They're this weird confluence of both. Um, volunteer base is made up a lot of Mexican nationals uh, and American and Canadian snowbirds that vacation down there. Uh, it's an amazing group. They have an amazing heart. But needless to say, with, with three different cultures, two different currencies, 
Um, it's given me plenty of opportunities to work on peace and patience and self-control. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what's up for us next? We're planning a get-to-go again in January. The, the details are not quite worked out yet, but, uh, but our commitment is to, to continue the work that we've been called to do down there. Um, and you know, we're, we're working on more of a formalized plan of how to do this long-term. We've, the no-plan plan needs to have a plan now. Um, but this is just a, an exercise in patience, faithfulness, um, and then really digging into love and joy and just you know, following along with where we go. So, um, that was a really quick look at our, our history, but what does that have to do with kindness? Well, for us, faced with the untimely loss of a child, we really wrestle with what is the meaning of life. Um, and, sorry, that was a meeting in a nutshell right there. Um, <laughs> that was an hour, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, we... We, we really wrestle with this. We, we tend to think of tomorrow as this commodity that we control, and, and tomorrow got yanked away from us. Um, I yanked away from Sam, for sure. And so that really left, left us saying, well, like, if, it's, if it is about today and not banking on tomorrow, um, you know, what do I stand for? What do I want to live for? And we really logically only had two choices. You either live your life for yourself or you live your life for God. And there really isn't a... a, a third option, because the third option satisfies neither of those. So, following, following God and submitting to him um, will produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the path less traveled. There's a reason for it. It's a difficult path because we get in the way of it. Uh, our, our selfish ambition our desires. It's hard to love people. It's hard to love people unconditionally. It's hard to be joyful when your circumstances are not joyful. It's hard to pursue peace and patience in relationships that are difficult and demanding and challenging. Um, It's hard to be kind and good to people who don't seem like they deserve it. It's hard to be faithful when it comes at a cost. It's hard to be gentle in a world that is anything but gentle. And how about self-control? Well, there's a reason that one's at the end of the list. No one really wants that. So, uh, leaning on the previous eight speakers who've done a great job um, of exploring the fruits of the Spirit, I've kind of come up with a formula as a, as a background to kind of get through the easy part. Do you want to get that one, Ben? Basically, it goes like this. God is... Blank. In suit the, and he desires, so God is patient, God is kind. Um, he desires us to experience this. So if we choose to follow and walk in the Spirit, he will produce this in our lives. So full of this fruit and God's love, we in turn can't stop exuding it to the point of being contagious. In a nutshell, that is, you know, that's how, how things work. And it sounds great, it sounds ideal. Maybe a little too idealistic, perhaps, or or is it? Um, so I want to take a look at kindness. Uh, we'll start with the dictionary definition of kindness, which is which is surprisingly interesting. Um, the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate, having or showing a gentle nature, and as a desire to help others, 
wanting and liking to do good things and to bring happiness to others. Um, listening to Nigel talk just now uh, about a desire to help people who need, who have no one else to help them, uh, I was like, wow, that is the very definition right there. So that is, that's fantastic. What's interesting, it's looking at the list of synonyms here. Um, it is a very specific and divine list. Uh, benignity, I had to look that one up, I'm not going to lie. It simply means an act of kindness. If you, um, But it really paints a, a, paints a warm picture. And in and of itself, uh, I would say it's very, very uh, descriptive as to, you know, this is what kindness is. But I think that God has uh, a little bit, little bit of extra things to say on this subject. The first thing, um, the first thing I'd say is that kindness needs to be rooted in love, his love. Looking at Mark 12, um, you know, someone's asking Jesus, which is the most important commandment? And he says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love is the first fruit of the spirit that's mentioned, and for good reason. It's the cornerstone that the rest are built on. We cannot trust our own understanding of love because we have an incomplete uh, picture of it. It can too easily be warped by our own emotions. Uh, instead, we need to be focused on God's love, the way that God loves us and the way that God wa- lo- wants us to love people. He's the only source of a healthy love. Um, there's plenty of verses that seem to support this. Uh, you go to Galatians 13 and 14. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not, do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh, flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. It seems to be pretty clear that that's, you know, there's not a lot of ambiguity in, in these verses. Um, and one of the challenges here is is if there was any ambiguity, we're left asking the really human question, who is our neighbor? And, and I believe it, it has been act, asked in the Bible. Um, let's take a look at uh, Matthew 43. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And it goes on to, oh, sorry, I'm going to jump down to uh, just after 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your father is perfect. There's a bit of a pattern forming here that God is laying out. He's saying, first, you need to love God with all of your being. So, so far he's mentioned you and God. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. So who, you're, who is your neighbor? It's not God and it's not you. So therefore it's everybody else. The, the, third, the third thing that, that is striking in here, it isn't optional. This isn't a, you know, do it when it's convenient. This is love, love God, love people, period. 
The second point is, becomes a question of motivation. Where is our motivation coming from? A lot of people do very good, kind works, um, but not from a spirit of altruism. Not, not, there's always some sort of benefit um, or something that they're trying to achieve. Um, re- many religions apply that as, you know, that's the way you earn your way to salvation or you earn yourself more crowns or whatever. And I think that, that Christians can be definitely caught in that, in that trap that, that you want to be seen doing things, being kind, uh, want to be known for that, want to, you know, that, that doing it will earn you something more. And that's, that is clearly not what God is, is talking about. And I don't believe that he's confused about it at all. Uh, Matthew 7, uh, thir- in Matthew seven thirteen, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are as ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And by that fruit, we're talking about not the fruit of the Spirit. Jumping down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Verse 22 could easily say, Lord, Lord, did we not feed these kids or provide clothing or you know, find a home for this Syrian refugee family in your name? Um, it's, it's, it's clear that we need to be connected to doing that for God, not for ourselves. And so it definitely sound, uh, serves as a bit of a, a, bit of a warning. Uh, even in, in 1 Corinthians 13, the, the wedding passage, um, if I speak in tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clang, clanging cymbal. Right now I hope that I'm not a resounding gong or cymbal. <laughs> um, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Our motivation needs to be firmly rooted in God's love first. And from, the, from there, he will give you the wisdom to act. Um, I skipped through a few, few verses here. Um, so back, at verse, uh, back in verse 9, uh, there's something that caught me. And I don't know if I've ever seen it before. Um, verse 9 talks about knowing in part, knowing the prophecy in part, and talking about completion. Um, verse 12 talks about only seeing a reflection in the mirror. And I don't want to take this as a, as a cop-out, but I think it's, it's, it's a allows you off the hook a little bit um, in your own failures, because I'm horrible, at, like, like most of us, at, at living this out regularly. Um, it's easy to love conditionally. Um, but we as humans are, are only seeing part of this. We won't see the complete love until we're face-to-face with God. So at best, we're seeing a mirror of it. And the question becomes, what mirror? What are you, are you, if you're looking at yourself in the mirror, what are you seeing? What do you want to see? Um, sometimes you're afraid to look at what you're going to see. But given the choice, what do you want to, 
what do you want to see in that mirror? I can't read and think about that with a, without absolving myself of some responsibility in making choices and actions um, towards what is reflected back in that mirror. Now, the third point we've got, we know we're rooted in God's love. We know we're doing it for the right reasons. And so the third point that I want to talk about here is that at that point, the word kindness implies action. It is, it is an action word. So let's go back to the, the definition, biblic, uh, the dictionary definition, and look at that list of characteristics. And I want you to imagine isolating it from any kind of action. So take helpfulness, but, but isolate it to a personal thought exercise or a you know, self-help seminar. Um, it loses, all these words lose their definition when you are not acting on them, when there's not some sort of action going on. Um, Howard again last week said something, talking about the fruit and the vine, that, that again struck me as interesting um, in saying that the, the product or the purpose of the fruit is for others. It's not for the vine itself. And the, the vine analogy gets used a lot. But friends, I would say that if we love God, we should love him with our whole being. So that if we love him, we will love each other. And if we love each other, we will not only feel compelled to act, we will, have, we will pursue a pure desire to act. And then if we act, then we need to act with our whole being. Now that action looks different for everybody. We're all made different. We all have different giftings, personalities, circumstances. Uh, there's certainly extreme examples of being off to China. We just sent the McCarthy's off to Papua New Guinea. Um, you know, we're, we spend our time in Mexico. Um, but we're, we also live nine months of the, of the year here. And kindness doesn't take a nine-month vacation. So we, we're all being asked to serve up a big plate of, of uh, kindness. I don't know what your next step is. I know that we're, we can barely see one step to the next. I mean, we don't even have a plan for January. Um, all I know is you do have a next step. Everyone has a next step. Stopping isn't really an option. I remember getting this email from Brad in March. We were in our living room. We finished a long day of work at the vineyard, sitting there. Email comes in. Hey, we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Which fruit do you feel like you know, fits your, your story, your journey the best? And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, which one? Like any of them. Um, at, at, at this point, you know, we could talk about any of those fruits having led us to where we were. And that's kind of the last realization that, that struck me was the fruit aren't divisible from each other. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet where you can load up on grapes and, and leave watermelon behind. Uh, they're a package deal. And if you're in the vine, as the analogy goes, you should expect to see evidence of all of those fruit in your lives. Some are certainly going to be harder, some that we naturally excel at or, or have more gifting at, and some that we struggle at. But we should see evidence of all of those fruits as we, as we develop. Um, I'd like to bring Jody up here. Um, while she comes up, I'd like to share with you the, one of the biggest questions we get asked the most. Why Mexico? Why Mazatlan? 
Now, first, that question has, has two answers. We were in a, in a phase of, of seeking, and uh, it was my parents who had been to Mexico and been to this church, and they had been there on the advice of friends who had been there who had been on the advice of friends who had been there. And they were using my brother's timeshare, and they provided a soft landing for us. Uh, something that allowed us to work through some of our fears of traveling for missions and things like that. Fears that had kept us from joining the Guatemala team for years. Um, Secondly, it only took a small amount of time with the people of the vineyard to see what compassion and kindness really looks like in their compassion ministry. What we see there is a unified church, and I'm talking the big C church, comprised of people from three nations, two languages, and nearly every denomination you could imagine, all united and living out their motto. Ben, can you get that yellow slide? Ama a Dios, ama a la gente, punto, which is love God, love people, period. Jody? is doing Ooh, that's loud so for a while now you've seen many opportunities around Jericho um, lots of opportunities for service missions um, and perhaps maybe you're not sure whether or not that those are the op- great opportunities for you or maybe God has been nudging you in a certain direction and you've just been pushing pushing away that nudge. Um, So maybe today is the day that um, you're going to hear that nudge and uh, go into action. I'm going to play a video. Um, If you get get that ready, Ben, please. Um, Daryl and I don't have our own video, uh, so we've (laughs) we've borrowed one from a team that comes down every year um, to the Maslin Church of Maslin. And the vineyard, sorry. And it's from Jericho, uh, sorry, Virginia Beach Church. And they've been coming down for 10 years. Um, So we're just going to watch the video just to give a taste of what they're doing down there. Somewhere between the hot and the cold Somewhere between the new and the old Somewhere between who I am and who I used to be Somewhere in the middle you'll 
Somewhere between the wrong and the right Somewhere between the darkness and the light Somewhere between who I was and who you're making me Somewhere in the middle you'll find me Just how close can I get, Lord, to my surrender Without losing all control Fearless warriors in a picket fence Reckless abandon wrapped in common sense Deep water faith in the shallow end And we are caught in the middle With eyes wide open to the differences The God we want and the God who is But will we trade our dreams for His? Or are we caught in the middle? Are we caught in the middle? Somewhere between my heart and my hands Somewhere between my faith and my plans Between the safety of the boat and the crashing waves Somewhere between a whisper and a roar Somewhere between the altar and the door Somewhere between contented peace and always wanting more Somewhere in the middle Just how close can I get, Lord, to my surrender Without losing all control Fearless warriors in a picket fence Reckless abandon wrapped in common sense Deep water faith in the shallow end And we are caught in the middle With eyes wide open to the differences the God we want and the God who is But will we trade our dreams for His Or are we caught in the middle Lord I feel you in this place And I know you're by my side Loving me even on these nights When I'm caught in the middle So we want to um, invite you to join us in Mazalan next year. So that's just a small taste of what we could be doing. We're going to be eating and feeding the poor. We're going to be playing with children. 
We're going to be praying for people. And who knows what else God has in store for us there. This is an experience that your family will never regret. I know our family has experienced so much joy from being in Mazalan. And I think it's, we've barely scratched the surface of what God is asking us to do in that city. So we're having a casual information time on July 24th. Uh, we'd really like to share a little bit more about the vineyard with you. So come, um, no commitments, just come on July 24th. You can talk to me if you have any questions about the vineyard. Um, we'd really like to have you. Um, Ron and the team are going to be coming up now. Um, and as they're coming, I just wanted to ask you, what is God prompting you today? I know one of the things that God um, is prompting Daryl and I right now is to... Um, Allow him to show us the dreams that we had four years when we first went to Mazalan. These are big dreams, and they are beyond Daryl and I. And so um, he's asking us right now to be sharing that with other people. And that is, that is really, really scary. So what are your dreams today? What are those next steps, as Daryl has mentioned? Um just want to prompt you that and uh, there's prayer teams to the side Uh, my prayer for you is that you will take those to the people to the sides what are your steps what is God prompting you today and let's take that to the cross